All right, everybody, welcome to the December 1st edition of Cascadian Views. We've got the whole crew in for the first time in a while. Welcome back from the frozen Socialist Republic to the North, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, the French-speaking Socialist uh, hellscape to the North. You were in Quebec. I, I was practically in Europe. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Chris and Dan... Uh, and JJ, everybody here, it's been a monumental week this week. Uh, we had the first kind of thaw in the Mueller probe since the midterms, and we're going to spend a lot of time discussing that. We also may have, for the first time in a long time, a real case of voter fraud. And uh, surprisingly, it doesn't involve anybody you would think it involves. Uh, it, this seems to be a Republican operation, or at least Republican benefiting operation in North Carolina. We have the final results from the Washington State Legislature, and uh, a little bit more on the recount in Alaska, where things have uh, shifted pretty substantially for a one-vote movement. Uh, and then that's going to about do it, along with a, a little bit, possibly, of discussion about what's going on in Mississippi and Ukraine, if we have time for that. So let's dive right back in. Chris, you are our Mueller whisperer, and uh, <laughs> tell us what we should think about all this. Well, what should we think? Um, I think it's kind of an example of what a lot of us figured was true, which is he was using all of this quiet time to really move a lot of things forward. and. I think we're going to start to see some very rapid fire uh, developments from here. Like uh, one of the articles that I shared on the site earlier in the week was that there were something like 18 sealed indictments that had been filed in D.C. court since since August. So, you know, there's no telling whether those are all from Mueller's office. Any of them are from Mueller's office, but certainly a good suspicion that a lot of them are. There were a few things that may or may not have been Mueller-related as well. There, um, I, I guess going from least likely to most likely, there was a uh, money laundering investigation to Deutsche Bank, which is right. notable for being the, the only bank that's willing to lend Trump money and has been the only bank willing to lend Trump money for about 18, 20 years now. Um, that seems to have been spurred on by the Panama Papers and not anything related to us as well. Um, yeah, there was a, I'm sorry. Well, I think the, I think the significance there is now he's in a position to go to the prosecutors there and say, if you do have anything that pertains to my investigation, mm. it'd be nice to get a copy. Right. And they very well may since they had over 200 people raid multiple locations. And then the the second incident is not confirmed to be Mueller related, but among uh, national security intelligence people seems to be widely assumed it is and that was the arrest of an alderman um, well not the arrest but the FBI raiding of his office uh, and seizing of files over the week uh, this was uh, a man who had been deeply involved in Trump's business uh, from a, a legal aspect he was a, a staff attorney I guess for Trump would be the best way to describe that Dan you may know the arrangement a little bit better than I do uh, I think, let's see here, this particular guy, uh, gosh, he was involved in, I want to say, some of his uh, legal defense in at least one of these cases, wasn't he? Uh, with uh, Possibly with 
Trump University or and I thought was he, his uh, he had also been hired to uh, album dodge taxes in the legal way. Right. Yes. Right. There yes. we go. So they worked in the tax area. A lot of liability there, especially since there's a whole lot of documents that uh, until now we have not had the chance to see. And now, of course, uh, a Congress with subpoena power and an interest in actually exercising that might uh, might expose a lot more of the information there. Now, I worry a little bit about getting too excited about this. It is, yeah, like I said, it is widely assumed by people who I assume know the beat uh, that this is related. But... It's also hard to go a month without seeing a Chicago alderman arrested. I mean, just, <laughs> just throwing that out there. This could be coincidental. He could just be dirty for something else. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is not a rarity in Chicago politics. This uh, is a speaking... state that had like four consecutive governors go to jail or something like that, right? I think so. I think... Uh... And, you know, Rauner's going to leave office, and I think, yeah, he's the first one that, or well, Quinn didn't go to jail either, but he's got uh, a, a lot of term temporary replacement. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Blagojevich, Ryan, just a lot of really corrupt polls. Hmm. So uh, let's, one let's thing not bring was, too much into the arrest. Yeah, I was just going to say, as long as we're kind of throwing cold water on things, um, <laughs> I mean, the big news, of course, will. The, one of the first big news was uh, the collapse of Paul Manafort's plea deal. Uh, what do we think about uh, what, I mean, is that something that could really hamper the investigation if they no longer have this kind of big key cooperating witness? Or do we feel so that? At all. I don't think they were going to trust Paul Manafort as far as they were going to throw him. Anything that he was mm-hmm. going to give them, they had to be able to prove from separate ways. I don't think it hampers anything at all besides giving them more shit to charge, really. Fair enough. And, you know, it's really kind of an objectively good thing that Paul Manafort may still spend the rest of his life in prison. He's a bad dude. It is kind of gratifying in a way, yeah. Yeah. The the other thing about it, I think, is that um, people have pointed out that one of the things that came out of the week was that Manafort's lawyers had regularly been talking to Trump's lawyers <laughs> was cooperating, quote-unquote, with Mueller. Um, but one of the things about that is they kind of pulled the trigger on this as soon as they got the written answers back from Trump. Yeah. And so you kind of have to wonder if, you know, a couple of people have speculated about this. Maybe Mueller knew not to trust Manafort and will be looking for information that he fed to him <laughs> to see if it flowed through to Trump's team. Yeah, it's not a perfect trap if the defendant sets it himself. <laughs> this is great info. Oh, I can say all this stuff. Wait, oh no. But I mean, that's a good point. I mean, the election's been nearly a month, uh, nearly a month ago now. So it's not like uh, it's not like that's what he was waiting for here. I mean, uh, Trump's answers came much more recently. So I think that's kind of brings to that. What really strikes me about it is that they got those answers on Friday last week, and then on Monday they announced that this whole issue with Manafort, and then later in the week there's this raid on the tax lawyer, and then later in the week Cohen appears in court mm-hmm. <laughs> saying, I lied to Congress, and by the way, I'm going to sign this document saying and that I'm helping. He's directly implicating the president in it. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a bad, bad hearing if you're Donald Trump. Like, yeah, and Cohen's lawyers going on CNN saying they've got the goods on Trump. I, that sounds kind of like an explicit threat. I'd be pretty scared if I'm in the White House right now. Cohen is. JJ, you had the point about how somebody who, who really was honestly like, you know, that loyal to Trump and that affectionate and just getting shit upon time and time and time again, like when that dam breaks, it breaks hard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and it kind of seems like everybody's just turning on everybody or that there's enough lies that and like, I think on a in the next few weeks or months timeline, it's just going to turn out that ev- that Mueller has caught everybody lying about the same thing, but has enough paperwork to corroborate enough of what they're saying that's true. <laughs> that yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I just expect everybody to be folding on one another very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> everyone had mutually assured destruction, mutually assured destruction insurance, and now it's all being cashed in at once. Yeah, right. so. <laughs> yeah. Like, they played the prisoners game, and everybody chose really, really poorly. Yeah, <laughs> I read something else during the week, which I, which I thought was a good point. Which is, if you were Trump, you would have kind of wished that um, Manafort and Cohen switch places because Manafort does not actually know a lot about you. No, in fact, he knows a lot about a very specific time period with you, maybe. But right. <laughs> Cohen knows like a decade's worth of every bit of dirty business you've ever done. And Manafort so has a lot of stuff whereas Cohen is much less. I mean, he has dirt, but Manafort is, I mean, a walking indictment. Cohen is not in the same way. His taxi business seems dirty, and he was a fixer for Trump, but in terms of personal liability, he's kind of low down there. So right. he's right well, to I'll, make a deal. He could make his trouble go away. Pretty, so much of his liability is tied up with Trump anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Manafort yeah. would still be, you know, swaying off the tree limb. Yeah. Right. Trump did not make him hide millions of dollars. <laughs> yes. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's kind of move on down the list here then, because we've we've actually got a lot about all this. Um, I, I guess. The other big news is, is Jerome Corsi, Roger Stone's uh, comrade, backing out of his plea deal, um, deciding that he has to fight Mueller because even a plea deal basically leaves him in jail for the rest of his life. At least that's the rationale. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I'm kind of sympathetic to. He's an old guy, seems pretty overweight. His heart's probably not going to last that long. Like, even a 10-year sentence is... Okay. There's a lot of bang in there for a second. Oh, somebody's very angry about what you said, bro. <laughs> How dare you say Jerome Corsi is about to die? Yeah, I feel like I'm watching 90s WCW, their chairs flying around. <laughs> mm. Do you do you think there's shenanigans afoot with Corsi? Or, I mean, his explanation holds water, but I don't trust anybody coming out of Roger Stone's orbit, so I don't know how much to really put in there. I mean, yeah. Stone universe there. <laughs> They're just so slimy. Yeah. He's a slimy enough figure and a wacky enough figure. I mean, this is a guy who's got his own show as part of InfoWars' network. And he's got his hands on so many kind of just crazy and crazy adjacent stuff. You know, he might be trying to juice his followers for more money. 
and legal donations because that's kind of one of the things that he's always been doing is kind of pushing to get the people on his list to send him more money, you know, pay for his lawyers, all that kind of stuff. So you're never really sure with his motivations. And he kind of took the extraordinary step, you know, the, of going ahead and publishing the uh, plea agreement, which is, I mean, I'm sure other folks in the investigation so far have either had negotiations or in the process of working that out, or if something falls apart, but they don't go and completely burn the bridge by taking the unfinished agreement to the Washington Post. And who knows for what reason, just publishing what it was supposed to be. <laughs> and the weird thing is, it's kind of incriminating to him. It's not oh, like- sure. <laughs> It's it's not like, oh, look at this terrible document that uh, Mueller was going to make me sign, because along with it, he's more or less said, yeah, and I did all this stuff, too. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that that is an interesting wrinkle. I had to thought about that. I was ready to accept responsibility for all this shit, but then I decided not to. Now I'm going to tell you. Yeah, okay. I did it. But... Yeah, that, that kind of seems to be everybody's underlying thing, is like, a plea guilty, uh, but it was probably their fault. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just all going to get passed around. Well, that's Papadopoulos, certainly, too. So. Oh, yeah. I, that was, uh, I was just going to talk about this. Uh, yeah, Papadopoulos, too, Trials of the Olympian Gods, a, a seminal 1991 computer game, is now in prison. Uh, <laughs> not for very long. Uh, two weeks, if I hear right. Yeah, yeah. he'll yeah. be out by Christmas. I, uh, I, I'm left with a little bit of blue balls over that. <laughs> he was kind of the one who, you know, opening his drunk mouth to the Australian ambassador, which, let's be honest, who hasn't done that? Um, <laughs> really set off kind of the whole probe in a lot of ways, at least gave them their first real lead that let them go dig it. Is again in two weeks. Yeah, he, he literally did not miss a holiday. You know what gets me the most about him? It's not what he did. I don't. He, he was stupid. He was involved in a criminal enterprise. Should go to jail. Whatever. It doesn't get me that worked out. It's how much of a uh, like Jacob Wall sort of vibe he gives off, or what's mm-hmm. the Martin Screlly. He, he has that just super punchable face thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's all there is to that because there's not much going on there. Yeah, um, he's still like to know where Joseph Mifsud is. <laughs> yeah, what was that about him suddenly materializing, or did that just not that that, that fell through? I haven't seen any follow up to that. Yeah, so somebody who really bizarre claimed to be a lawyer representing him said that he wanted to testify to Congress. I Everyone had heard that. So was, yeah. And I, I, I actually think it was the Republicans on the committee uh, for Coldwater on that, although we may get a chance to come back into the House now, I suppose. Hmm. Um, well, let's, let's move on from the, uh, the Mueller scandal here, and we have well, all but one house race is settled, and for the first time in a few weeks, it hasn't been California's 21st, uh, which now appears to have gone Democratic, and has that been certified? I don't know if it's certified yet. I think, what was the date for all the California's elections? I think they're just going to all be done at once. Uh, 
but it is basically all the votes are now counted. Like it's a far enough lead that there's no way that even the outstanding ballots could turn it the other way. So that would put the Democrats at a gain of 40 seats. But what is that? Is that John Cena's music? <laughs> uh, we actually have a potential redo in North Carolina. And what's worse is that it looks to have been going on for three elections now. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah so it, it was caught in this election, this general election, but it caused them to go look at the data. And they're fairly certain it also happened in the Republican primary where the insurgent candidate beat a sitting representative. And in the 2016 primary, where an insurgent candidate came very close to beating the uh, the same incumbent Republican, which makes me think it's not actually tied to the candidate so much as somebody who really, really has an axe to grind with uh, Pittenger, who is the, the current representative in that seat. Not for much longer, though. Um, theoretically, the Republican won it by 900 votes on election day. Um, or with all the votes counted from early votes in election day, but in one particular county, a little bit in another, but in one particular county, there was a, a massive discrepancy in uh, absentee votes. For one, they came back something like 98% for one candidate, uh, despite the fact that that county has, you know, 60% uh, Democratic registration or something like that, or 40% plus 20% independent. Um, and then there was a extremely high number of requested absentee ballots that were not turned in. And there are uh, sworn reports of groups coming around collecting ballots from primarily Democratic voters, older African-Americans in general, um, and telling them that they would fill it out and just give it to them, that they'd turn it in and all that. Those ballots were never turned in. Uh, the combination of uh, votes that were filled in for the Republican and votes that were just tossed away from Democrats who had already filled out their ballots uh, and then given it to these folks uh, seems enough to have switched the, the outcome of the race. The state board has voted unanimously to uh, delay certification and to investigate. This state board is almost evenly split between Democrats and Republicans. They each, I believe, have three members and then there's one independent to bring the total to seven. Um, and they are expressly not ruling out redoing the vote. Um, it does not appear to have impacted the 2016 general, but the 2016 primary, 2018 primary, and 2018 general are all now considered suspect. Congratulations, we found our first real case of voter fraud since Republicans have started crying about it. And guess who it's uh, benefiting? <laughs> Republican candidate. So surprising. Yeah. Well, not even the Republican candidate. The Republican right, I guess, it, it seems most focused on defeating the, the incumbent Republican and then as a afterthought, getting the challenger that they elected over him into, into Congress. I mean, prax it out with me a little bit. Dude. What do you think could be going on here? I just made like it just prax it out legitimately, but I want everybody <laughs> to, to clap for me here. I, I just, I don't, I, I really think it's motivated mostly out of some sort of animosity towards Pinager, probably from the, the farther right, the, the talk radio branch of the party. It, it, both times that they targeted him, they, it was to, to boost a a Republican challenger further to his right into that seat. 
Yeah. Know, something strikes me as fishy. So I guess the theory is some county election official would have, you know, have it in for him or. Hmm. Well, so maybe not county election official. The, the reports were people going around in a van. Uh, oh, then, right. Yeah. And then I don't know how they would have forged absentee requests or if they didn't forge them, they just, you know, we're going around collecting them. Uh, but there was a, a higher than normal number requested from that county, too. And all three of these suspect elections, uh, numbers that were, you know, five or six times greater per capita than the other counties in the congressional district. Mm-hmm. It's just all extremely suspicious. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's just so shocking, you know, like I said on the Facebook page, that it's just the same number. It's, it's so suspicious, it's just blatant. Yeah, I'm, frankly, I'm surprised it took him three elections to catch it. Yeah, we are really, really bad at detecting fraud. It's shameful. Uh, the Republicans in the state have uh, kind of flipped out about this, uh, even though the election board voted unanimously to delay certification. The three Republicans sitting on it all thought there was a problem, but the state Republican Party is just furious over this. They think that they're trying to keep a, uh, a legally elected Republican out of Congress. Mm-hmm. The, the House does have the power to just not to seat him, too, until they can clear everything up. They're allowed to set the qualifications of their own members, and it's much easier before they're sad than it is to expel them after they're accepted. Right. right. So... I would certainly hope that that's what they go with, yeah, because, I mean, God, yeah, you, <laughs> you can't let that stand, given all this. Right, it needs to be looked into, it needs to be resolved, because, yeah, it's just so egregious. They wouldn't be able to seat them until the election was certified anyway. Uh, the state board has no plans to certify the election anytime soon. Uh, they're going to take at least a week and a half to investigate this, and they are empowered under state law to order a rerun of the election. They they can completely nullify the results and call a new election, uh, which is, I think, fairly impressive. I don't believe all states have that power. A lot of times, you're just kind of stuck with it, and then you know, looking back at it. Oh well, yeah, that is nice. All right. So uh, I, I guess we'll make a brief stop in Mississippi for the other kind of post-election news where we had a runoff. Um, it looked good through the first half of the night uh, for, for the Democrats down in Mississippi. Mike Espy was hitting his targets until maybe an hour or so after vote counting started and then started slipping away from him. In the end, though, he finished a, a very strong race, outperformed the... Uh, the combined Democratic uh, total from the November 7th uh, election, November 4th election, but could not pull it out, which I don't think any of us expected it to. Yeah, um, I mean, the main thing I thought about that was it's hard to even come up with a really comprehensive model of what a competitive election in Mississippi even looks like, really. I mean, we just don't have one. I think you'd have to go back decades to find a competitive general, you know, Democrat Republican election that is anything close to, you know, close 
really. I mean, I think even probably more than that because it really flipped like a switch. It went from being a stalwart Democratic state to a stalwart Republican state, you know, it, it, between the 80s and the 90s. And it really hasn't, I don't think there was much of an in between where the parties were competitive. It's uh, at, at least not since, yeah, the. Not since ever. <laughs> the well, Civil I, War. I, well, I mean, it was much more Democratic before the. Uh, civil rights movement in the 60s and then kind of flipped to public and a certain kind of democrat and that's yeah not, yeah still exactly conservative uh definitely especially on uh race um i guess on that then we'll uh we, we do have time we'll we'll talk about ukraine for a little bit so we had that in there um putin has been provoking conflict in Ukraine and kind of came to a head this week uh, in a very dramatic manner, I would say. Um, the Sea of Azov, which is a kind of a, a fringe sea of the Black Sea, which is itself a fringe sea of the Mediterranean, they're all connected. Um, it is a major waterway for international shipping. Uh, Ukraine's heavily industrialized eastern ports, this is where Stalin put the heavy industry and all those five-year plans and whatnot, it was really geared towards industrialization. Ukraine has massively concentrated port facilities that all depend on the Sea of Azov and Crimea too, but Russia took that over. Um, so much so that there's actually an explicit treaty between Russia and Ukraine um, recognizing the Sea of Azov as internal waters are for both countries and freedom of navigation is expected. Uh, Russia decided to blockade the uh, the Kerch Strait going into the Sea of Azov um, with a tanker that they commandeered. They had a couple of attack helicopters, several Navy boat, uh, boats. The Ukrainian Navy and Coast Guard tried to get a tug and two gunboats through to help their ships get through the strait. Russia refused to lift the blockade. They, in fact, rammed one of the boats. They were then stormed by commandos, taken, captured. Two of them were. Um, I believe one of the tugs was able to get away, but... Uh, one, one of the gun, uh, gunboats and one of the other tugs was captured. The crews were taken by Russia. They paraded them around on TV and whatnot, made them read prepared confessions talking about how they instigated a action that they knew was illegal, but typical Russian bullshit. They did it with captured Ukrainian soldiers, too. Uh, and it, it really set some people off uh, in a ridiculous way. It was, it was a scary time, a scary day. I really... I really thought things were going to come to a head, and they still might. I mean, there was a hostile boarding, seizing of Navy vessels. That, that's an act of war. Yeah, uh, I just Al Jazeera article from what, nine hours ago. Uh, Poroshenko says that there are more than 80,000 Russian soldiers at the border. I are, are soldiers that Russia will not confirm are soldiers instead claim that they're uh, holiday makers volunteering in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, individual militia men. It's uh, <sighs> the concentration on Ukraine the last few years by Putin really just I've long had a theory that he wants to kind of put back together the old Soviet empire. Um, 
Just do it oh, he's been inside. explicit about it. He's yeah. been explicit about that. I mean, said it verbatim, really. Okay, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but okay. Yeah, don't don't even bother. Like he's very like he, I believe, has said that he misses the time of Stalin, and wants and like yeah misses the Soviet Union and the strength of the Soviet Union, and wants to bring it back. The Soviet Union was one of the greatest tragedies of the 20th century. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you can give him no credit. It's totally fine. Uh, he he is pretty crazy, and and he does. He wants Ukraine back. That was the breadbasket. That's an easy one. And you know, as I've said many times in the past year, like without a State Department, we uh, we can't do anything, and we're we wouldn't do anything anyway because um, that's our boyfriend. And he can do whatever he wants in Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, look for that one. Chris, you had a, a little comment about how it's going to turn to World War III, and I don't think you're wrong. I, and I don't know what's going to stop it. We, we seem to be doing precious little to help the Ukraine, although, on the other hand, I don't know what we can really do to help the Ukraine, but we're not even doing yeah. anything. I mean, we're, you're basically telling Putin he can keep doing this as long as he doesn't push it any farther than that. So he's just going to keep doing this over and over and over again to whoever is in his sights next. I, I think it's also only World War Three if, uh, like, the U.S. decides to get involved. If we're just like, hey, what else? What stops it from being World War III is that, yeah, we won't do, well, obviously we won't do anything with our current administration, and Europe will be very, very concerned, but we'll stay very concerned from a distance. Now, if he did something similar in Estonia, in Latvia, I don't know, that, I think that might get Europe off the fence. I mean, you think, but... Yeah, but maybe not. Literally invaded Ukraine, which is a, a massive, massive economy for Eastern Europe. It's an industrialized, westernized country that was actively seeking membership in the European Union, and Putin didn't like that and just swept the fuck in. And Europe gave a collective shrug. The West gave a collective shrug. They got their their panties in twist for a while and wrote some nasty letters. And that was kind of it. I mean, how would we feel if somebody just came and swiped Florida from us? That that's well, okay, maybe bad example. Yeah, they can have it. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Rotten fruit. I, I was thinking of a peninsula, but then I realized I would probably give away Florida if I were president. Just let that. I guess Maine, maybe. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm like mixed on Maine. You're like, ah, right, I guess. Something. But, you know, just swiping in a, a massive part of your economy and central part of your nation and then, you know, shipping off 80,000 troops to take away another third. This is, this is an act of war. Absolutely it is, yeah. And not only that, but it's, it's not even, not necessarily for territorial gain. It was explicitly because he didn't like the democratic decisions of another country. 
and wanted to overrule them. I'm just, I don't know, it's a scary time. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll pivot off thinking about the eventual destruction of all humanity to talk about local politics. What's more fun than mm-hmm. that? Uh, and we, we're finally settled up in Washington, it seems like, correct? Close enough to it. I mean, the recounts are going to be happening, but the margins in the outstanding races are wide enough that they're not likely to end up turning things over. So in the 26th district, I'm sorry, the 26th district, for instance, uh, which actually is down in your neighborhood, I believe that's uh, Vancouver uh, in the Senate. Uh, That was one of the ones that was outstanding. The Democrat pulled into the lead and has managed to hold on to it. Yeah. In Vancouver? Uh, There's a few. Uh, Let's see here. I want to say, I'm pretty sure that's Vancouver, but let me uh, verify that before I'm giving. Yeah. Marty McClendon. There we go. Uh, That is, let's see. Um, Shoot. It's not coming up exactly where the district is, but I believe. uh, Wait, no. That may actually be closer to uh, Olympia. So never mind. You're 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 still safe in you know meth land. But uh, Emily <laughs> Randall is it has 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 defeated uh, Marty McClendon. So that is the third pickup in the Senate that Democrats will have. Unfortunately, the uh, fourth pickup we're coming up just short of here in Whatcom County in the forty second district where. <laughs> Pinky Vargas is, uh, prior to going into the recount, 45 votes behind Doug Erickson. Oh. Yeah, it's a bummer. You know, we we certainly gave it our best. Uh, but, yeah, I think the rate of vote shakeups that are likely to happen in an election of that number, it's just not going to turn it over. I mean, it's about 70, I think the last count was about 73, 74,000 votes. It turns over some, but not many. And certainly probably not going to be in the neighborhood of the 50 or so votes that we would need to bring that the way we needed. So plus three in the Senate. And we still have Doug Erickson to kick around for another four years. He's hung on by the skin of his teeth. So that is unfortunate. Uh, and then in the House, uh, pretty much everything was settled. The margins were a little bit wider than in those races. And Democrats are finishing at uh, plus seven seats. So a potentially you know, room for a more ambitious agenda for Jay Inslee as he finishes up his second term and possibly thinks about running for president. Yeah. Is, who's drafted him on the... Oh, uh, somebody had to. Uh, that might have been. Was that you? It did. I thought you might have. You got murky. How much I remember all this. Yeah, I can. This is why we have spreadsheets. Yeah, I'll look it up. God's greatest invention. Yeah. Sorry, all right, but uh, that covers the newest. Yeah. One thing I wanted to to hear about is how did Sheldon do it? His election. Oh, he was actually running against a Republican, so there was no real danger of turning that one to the good side. 
Uh, he ended up winning, I believe, pretty handily. Just a moment. Washington State. They elected next. a fake Republican over a real Republican. Why wouldn't they, they sure did. A real Republican. They sure did. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Election results. I'm sorry. I'm Googling everything and it's going as fast as it can. But uh, let's see here. And Sheldon. Uh, yeah, he won it. Uh, oh, wait. No, he did have an actual Democratic opponent. I'm sorry. Uh, was that? Yeah. Yeah. So he won that 52% to 48%. Okay. So it was about uh, 2,400 vote difference in that race. The, uh, so not close. He's one of the few politicians in the country, despite, you know, also being a he's one of the few politicians I know who double dip who's simultaneously holding two different elected positions wait what else is he doing he, since 2004 he's uh, been Mason County Commissioner for District 2 and is you don't say yeah. oh, man yeah, well I mean that's that. that's a more common thing in like uh, I want to say New Jersey where you know you might have a mayor who's also a legislator that kind of thing but yeah Huh. Yeah, he sits on his county board in addition to sitting in the state senate. Yeah, no kidding. I thought that was a thing that could even happen. I don't think you're allowed to work for the executive branch and the legislative branch at the same time, but as long as you're in the legislative branch, you can have as many legislative branch offices as you want, as long as they don't prohibit you from holding them, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the other thing I guess we should talk about is the uh, the legal challenges for your guys' gun control bills up there, how they've been moving along. I believe they're only just recently filed, so I don't think we've had any rulings in those okay. yet. Okay. But uh, I would expect we'll probably hear more of those probably in the next six months, some of the initial rulings, probably uh, some motions for dismissal that will probably be coming along shortly thereafter. And then uh, I guess we'll end on a downer, uh, and that is we were awaiting a recount in Alaska to see if the Democrats will have any fingers in any of the pies whatsoever in state government up there, and it appears. No, there was the recount, but it actually benefited the Republican. That was a tied race by one vote. So we would have had to wait for a coin toss, and now it's just a straight up, it's an actual win sad times that state is going to go straight off the fucking cliff well yeah with a new kind of ultra-right governor and a yeah it's going to be pretty hard times you know especially since the price of oil is cratering again which you know trump is taking credit for (laughs) imminent you know demand-based recession and yep i want all the credit I, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up this week, and I'm going to do a little variation on the what we're following. Uh, just to keep everybody positive going into the new year, we're looking at a, uh, a new Democratic House majority. I want us to take guesses at what the, uh, the first thing on the legislative agenda for the Democratic majority is going to be. Mm. So we're going to end it up on that this week. How about you, JJ? You have the best thing. Oh, uh, crap, I thought they already submitted something. You know, don't, don't try to game the system. 
don't look up what they're actually going to do. Uh, I, I read an article a couple of days ago. Uh, it's not it's what this a, is about. about um, election fraud, electioneering, that kind of a thing. Yes, no. yes, yeah. Get into the spirit of the game. <laughs> I know you can't guess that. Okay, yeah. Um, let's see. Um, they will push for personal inflatable bubbles for all. <laughs> I don't know why I even bother. <laughs> I'm going with the Green New Deal. We're getting a Green New Deal. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I, that one's been surprisingly embraced. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about that. Um, how about you, Chris? What do you think we're getting? Well, somewhere in that mix, I think they should do uh, a nice, inclusive, rational immigration policy that will go nowhere. Mm. Well, yeah, that's the, the, the other name for this game is what's going to die in the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I might have one that can get through both, um, although not what I wish they would bring up first, and I don't even think they're going to bring it up first, but... Uh, I suspect you'll see some movement towards uh, requiring tax returns for presidential candidates. Mm. Uh, It's something that a lot of Republicans would be happy to get behind and might actually be able to move through the Senate if McConnell lets it come up. Uh, But in terms of what I actually think, the Green New Deal has had such a snowball effect in just the last like week and a half. I really don't think there's any way you get through the first three years without seeing that. Let the Senate vote it down. Mm-hmm. It's immensely popular. They'll own that vote, and it gives us fuel for 2020. And it gives mm-hmm. us a vision that we can put a presidential candidate behind, somebody who can cheerlead that. That's yeah. one of the things that I think we really lack, and one of the things I think Obama had when he ran was he he championed ideas and he ran behind them. He, he held up a banner, and he was the guy presenting the banner, but it was all about the banner. Uh, in 2018 or 2016, I, I think we lacked that a little bit. You know what mm-hmm. we're running on, and I think uh, bringing up the Green New Deal in a way that keeps it relevant for the 2020 election will be massive positive. I also, um, I'm giving myself two guesses just because I can. <laughs> I also think we'll see some movement towards federal uh, decriminalization for marijuana. Uh, it's just mm. steamrolling through the states at such an rate. I, I think you'll see. Democratic politicians start to bring it up cycle. Mm. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that was our fairly short episode, which allows me to get back to cleaning my apartment and other things I need to do. Uh, thanks for joining me this week, guys. All right. Indeed. Have a good evening. Have a good week. Bye. Have a good week, everyone.